Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. The Midnight Club, Season 1, Episode 9, The Eternal Enemy, is the episode I will be breaking down, talking about in detail. So if you've not watched this episode of The Midnight Club, I would highly recommend going and checking it out over on Netflix, the Netflix-exclusive TV show. Uh, and, uh, if you've watched it or don't mind being spoiled, welcome as I get into this. Welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, this episode has a story told by Spence, uh, titled The Eternal Enemy, obviously, as each episode is, uh, titled after the story that is told within this episode. Uh, I will be talking about a story at the end of this podcast and, We'll be talking about what happens outside of the story in the first half of this podcast uh, as a way to kind of break it up and for it to, so I'm not jumping back and forth as much, uh, you know, to make it less confusing as it were, as I, as I break it down. So let's get into it. As we left off in the last episode, Elanka finds out that somebody in the club is now no longer terminal no longer terminally ill uh, of course she assumes that that means the ritual works she also assumes that she is the one that is no longer ill that she is the one that has been healed by this ritual that she is obsessed with and it's kind of a bummer it's kind of a bummer, the Alonka character, because I do. She's our main character of this movie. And I love her intelligence. I love her drive, her, her desire to find a cure. But th this character that she is, these traits, character traits that she has, especially after in the real world going through and in many ways still dealing with a pandemic and seeing how many people in our society will ignore science and like have faith in and believe in these magical cures that don't have any facts or proof behind them but will believe in them because they are new and different and it's a way to have hope and not have to struggle with the reality of the situation. And it's kind of a bummer to see that represented in our main character, Alonka, where she has this confirmation bias, right? She assumes that one that Julia Jane was cured and not misdiagnosed she assumes that she was cured because of this ritual again still could have been a misdiagnosis could also have been a number of things like there's no proof tying specifically the ritual to Julia Jane no longer having the same kind of cancer she has. So she has these assumptions, and so much of her driving force is finding ways to prove those assumptions correct. Rather than trying to understand the science behind why they may work, she's completely ignoring science altogether, going completely on faith that... It is the ritual, and the ritual specifically is what led to Julia Jane no longer having cancer, or no longer presenting signs of cancer. So it's kind of bummy. It's kind of frustrating. And we've seen her butt heads with Dr. Stanton in the past, Dr. Stanton kind of being that voice of reason uh, when it came to Anya telling Ilanka that she should, instead of going trying to do these foolish things and trying to fight what is inevitably going to happen instead spending 
quality time with this person while you still have time. And after Anya passed away, for a brief moment, Alonka found that clarity and had those regrets that she wished she had spent that time, those last moments with Alonka or Anya in a more quality way instead of trying to do this ritual that she assumed was going to work, then believed didn't work, and now because somebody is potentially no longer terminal, again believes that not only that it worked, but that it's her. Like she's in some ways very selfish about that assumption that it worked for her. And it makes sense because the person she assumes the ritual worked for in the past had the same cancer as her. So, but the ritual wasn't, you know, they're not doing the same. It's, it's just, I don't know. There are some aspects to it that I don't buy. And it's just a bummer to watch our main character kind of going down this path. But anyway, we start this episode finding out who it is. We find out that it's Sandra, the Jesus freak. The, other per- the only other person in the Midnight Club who has blind faith in a thing, right? We have Alonka, who has blind faith in this ritual. And then we have Sandra, who has blind faith in another cult activity in Christianity. So she finds out that she's no longer terminal, that her body's healing, and it's explained to her that it's probably the fact that the, the last labs, the last whatever, they, the test that they did on her, the, the, um, the, what is it called when you get cancer treatment? Uh, the radiation therapy, the, I, I'm forgetting what that, that stuff is called. Uh, just it hadn't it hadn't it took a while for it to affect the cancer as it were and uh since then it has it, it's she's starting to heal so she's the one going home it's not alonka and she doesn't know yet but uh cut to we have kevin and alonka alonka had just found kevin in the basement uh alonka had heard these these wailing cries in the basement she went down to check it out she saw the old lady again as she's been seeing kind of pacing around in the basement in that little maze thing that's drawn on the floor and she goes to confront the old lady and as she turns the old lady around it turns into kevin which is the second time that's happened and we find out that kevin has been having dreams he's been dreaming mostly of the old man uh, where, you know, Alonka is mainly dreaming of the old lady, but he has definitely had dreams with the old lady in it. So they are sharing these visions. They are having similar visions. And we find out that Kevin not only is having visions, but ever since they discovered the basement, has been waking up in the middle of the night down in the basement many times in the bed that's all crusty and nasty and disgusting. Right? So he's he's been waking up down there. Of course, as he has in every situation, something weird happens, blaming it on the meds, right? Another kind of, another way in which these characters are just, just trying to prove their assumptions, right? In, in the way Kevin explaining these crazy events that that's just the meds, uh, but then on the flip side, you have Alonka just blaming it on the ritual and uh her her magical abilities so ever since they found it he's been uh been having the same thing so they lanka decides we need to have a meeting we need to get everybody together uh she goes over to natsuki's room to let her know that they're gonna everybody meet in the library have a meeting we need to discuss what's going on uh and as she opens the door we see that natsuki's not alone Obviously, in the last episode, Natsuki told Amish her story, and he stayed the night. So, clearly, that relationship is progressing. Alonka gets the oogadoogadoos, you know, kind of the googly-googlies, as she sees that uh, they kind of most likely hooked up last night. She's like, go, we're going to be in the library. 
come down. We need to talk. So they're all in the library now. No one else is having these visions, right? Uh, Amish explains that there's a, a phenomenon that happens with people who are close, that they will sometimes share visions, delusions, what have you. Natsuki brings up this story that her mom told her after her dad died uh, that maybe she, what Alanka is seeing and Kevin is seeing aren't ghosts. Uh, she describes the, an old lady in this story that her mom told her, and this old lady feeds on years of your life. And some of the other people say, well, that makes sense. I mean, we have, like, this would be the f main feeding ground for anybody who wants to suck life out of people, right? This, this, this uh, hospice uh, for kids who are terminally ill. So they're coming up with alternate explanations for what they're seeing. Uh, Spence not buying it all at all. Um, and then Alonka brings up the secret she was not supposed to share, despite sharing it already with Kevin. She shares that somebody's cured, and she, she goes right into assuming that it's her. Uh, but then Sandra pipes up because she already knows. Sandra's like, no, it's not you. It's me, right? Which is, this is a tough, like, I like Alonka, but in this episode, we kind of, like, she becomes a character that I like less because of her hard-nosed belief in this ritual, because of her instant assumption that she is the one that's cured, right? Labeling her as the special one that has... She, she found a way like it's kind of an ego driven assumption in a lot of ways that that this ritual that she investigated that she learned about that she did all the research for she's the one that got the benefits from it and she's the one that is now going to go home obviously she wants to cure everybody else but egotistically she's definitely me 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 finding out it's not her kind of shattering right kind of shattering ego shattering in a lot of ways uh assuming that the ritual worked right it worked it worked it worked on me i'm the one that's cured and sandra's like nope and sandra of course the one person involved with the ritual who was the least the least like invested in it right she just showed up to be a good friend she didn't actually believe the ritual was going to work like Alonka says it's like you just need to really believe it works and then it will work and then Sandra's like nope sorry I didn't believe in that I have a completely other ridiculous thing I believe in uh and I'm the one that was cured and I'm not it wasn't the ritual it was just a misdiagnosis uh the radiation therapy uh worked and my body is is actually healing I still had it was ended up being something else and I still have a lot of treatments to do, but it's not terminal like initially thought, right? Very grounded, realistic uh, explanation of the change of events versus magic and hocus pocus. So in that moment also, Sandra finally or finally, we finally find out that Sandra was the one who spoke to Spence on through the intercom, right? Trying to create this magical experience, trying to, in some ways, trick Spence into believing in God, right? Like Sandra's attempt to manipulate a situation in one of kind of the worst ways. I mean, this episode... Not only do I not like Alonka as much, or it's harder to like Alonka, but also it you see how kind of bad Sandra can be, pretending to be a ghost coming back in order to manipulate Spence into believing in her cult shit. So she she comes clean about about the intercom thing with Spence. Alonka gets upset and she leaves. Uh, of course, we know where she's running off to. 
Right? She's running off to the one person that pumps her ego more than anything. Right? It's just like, you're so smart. You're, you're a bright girl. Listen, you know what's going on. Like, clearly manipulating her, being her biggest cheerleader, running off to Shasta. But on her way, she runs into Kevin's girlfriend is there to visit. She wants to have a picnic with Kevin, show him the prom pictures that she took, have a little picnic by the beach. She asks Alonka where the beach is. How do we get to this beach? I want to have a picnic with him. And then Alonka further kind of cementing herself as as kind of a selfish person in a lot of ways uh going off on kevin's girlfriend right almost bringing her to tears going like you don't we're all dying he it went to this prom thing for you he's dying he's like caked in makeup in those pictures he's not going to be happy to see these things he's just putting on an act to make you feel good and just going off on her right not being a good person right maybe not the the best tactic to be jumping in with a person you had one small interaction with uh but kevin shows up and kind of stops her from berating his girlfriend and Alonka is like, Meh. she runs out. Of course, she goes to Shasta. And she tells her, it's not me, right? I assumed before it was me. And Shasta pumping her ego before. It's like, oh, I see. You had a bright energy before, but now it's really bright. It's clear it must have worked with you. But she finds out, not me, uh, and that she wants to stay. She's kind of running away in wanting to run away from Brightcliff because she's embarrassed. She's embarrassed. Her ego got destroyed. Her assumption that the ritual worked, that she it worked for her only, finding out that the one person involved with the ritual who wasn't even into it is the one that was healed or at least no longer terminal. Like it's just it's just uh, a, an ego destruction for her. And she wants to run away. She wants to stay, uh, you know, for a night or two, right? Which Shasta's already invited her to join her non-cult. So, you know, she's she's pretty, she you know, considering Shasta is clearly using Olanka, of course she's into it. Uh, she's trying to convince continue convincing Alonka that there is something special about Brightcliff, that the the ritual still works, right? She's still trying to push her conspiracy, push her her beliefs on Alonka, trying to make sure she doesn't lose track of this faith she has in these rituals. She's like, listen, it's it's a special place. Just because it didn't work on you, I know how to make it work. Right? I, obviously, she knew. She helped her out already. She knows about Stanton. She knows clearly way more than she's letting on. Just little bits and pieces kind of letting Alonka know who she is, telling her it can work. And then she's like, you know who I am, right? There's a reason why Shasta knows so much. And then Alonka comes to the conclusion that's like, oh, you're Julia Jane. Right. You're the person that was cured. That's why, you know. Right. And Julia Jane. Th I mean, obviously. There, th there's no proof. The fact that she was cured doesn't prove that the ritual works. It just proves that she was no longer terminal. The explanation for that is unknown. Misdiagnosis possibility. Some other thing, possibility. So many other things aside from a pagan ritual, a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice working. Right? But Julia Jane is on, you know, she's not only dr drinking the Kool-Aid, she's making the Kool-Aid. So she finds out that Shasta is Julia Jane. Right? She stays, she has a meal, most delicious meal she's ever had. Uh, and Julia, Shasta, a.k.a. Julia, is now convincing Alonka to sneak her in, 
right? I know how to make this work, right? Because she already has this assumption and belief that Julia Jane was a success story. So, you know, of course, let's the success story knows how to make it work. So sneak her in, right? Again, colluding with her, right? She's like, oh, I've tried to get in there, but, you know, Miss Stanton, Dr. Stanton, she's not, she doesn't want to share. She doesn't want me to use the special place for my, my, my uh, rituals. Cut to Kevin and Spence hanging out, and Spence is like, you know, not saying it, but implying there's uh, the situation Kevin is in with his girlfriend uh, in addition to Alonka and how maybe he should kind of come to a decision about things. And Kevin just taught, I'm not going to dump her. He's like, I didn't even say dump her. I just said you should figure things out. And, you know, Kevin doesn't want to dump her. He feels bad. Right. And Spence is like, listen, you're going to die. So either she's going to, either you dump her now or you in, you know, f a few months or whatever. She's just no longer going to have you. Right. She's going to lose you one way or another. And Kevin brings up why he's constantly continuing his stories, why he doesn't want to end his stories. And he does that because he wants those stories to remain alive and real versus ending the story that means that they just become memory right they no longer exist they just exist in memory and memories fade memories can disappear and it's in a lot of ways his denial about what the inevitable is in in a lot of ways uh clearly i mean you know keeping people also kind of a way to encourage people to stay alive Let's take a little break from the show to promote. I figured out a way on my website to offer prints for every single painting. So if you go to a painting, you can buy the original painting or you can buy a print for everything. Artwork that you don't want to spend $100 plus on 9 by 12 inch ink painting on paper. $100 for the original one of a kind piece of artwork. Paintings range in price depending on their size. The 8 by 10 print, $20 available in the store at inspireddisorder.com and now let's get back to the show you know he there's clearly a connection between him and alonka right they're sharing these visions the only two people sharing these visions uh he's been on her side despite the fact that she's into this ritual he doesn't buy and he's very much about explaining away a lot of these crazy things that are happening they're kind of you know, two sides of the same coin, right? There are two extremes going in different directions, uh, but there's clearly a connection there. We clearly see when Alonka tried to give him a kiss, she clearly likes him, he clearly likes her, um, and Spence sees the connection there as well. Uh, but later, Spence ends up going with Mark. Mark invites him to go to a game night. Spence, in the last episode, after confronting his mom, uh, mentioned to Mark that, you know, it's like, I'm going to go fantasize that I'm going to hang out with my community and go to a party and we're all dancing and all that stuff. So Mark taking that idea, introducing, bringing Spence to his community, to the gay community, as it were, the LGBTQ community of people, of friends that Mark has, uh, brings them to a game night where they're playing games, they're drinking alcohol, and they're preparing for a rally an AIDS rally that they're, they have coming up. And, uh, you know, Spence finally being able to be 100% himself, be around people that know what he's gone through, that understand the what it's like to be different in the world and to um, be okay with it and to just be yourself and to... Just like all of that baggage stripped away, all of the need to pretend to be something you're not stripped away, and he can just be who he is effortlessly. And these people effortlessly accept him, right? To be accepted and loved without any conditions, unconditionally, something that he's he's never really had aside from a lot of the people at Brightcliff. He's never really had people that like even the friends at Brightcliff. They don't know necessarily what he's gone through. 
so he finally mark finally kind of introduces them to to that uh that life and afterwards uh while they're in the car out in front of Brightcliff, he asked mark uh how he got into the activism and stuff and mark just said it was a very old friend of his that that got him into it that's i assume no longer around um you know and that we're all gonna die but we all deserve love as well right just because you know this certain thing is affecting us affecting our community more than other communities and because we're living a lifestyle that is different from this delusional idea that there's only one correct way to exist as a human uh it's you know mark you know explains to him it's like listen just because there's people that don't think we should exist doesn't mean we don't and doesn't mean we don't deserve love uh, so kind of a sweet moment allowing spence to experience more of life while he still has uh life in him so now we're at club sandra and alonka are missing a lot of empty chairs are are there obviously also the empty chair from anya Sandra shows up late. She's the first of the two to show up late. Um, and they all love her. They're happy they showed up. she showed up. They forgive her, uh, even for trying to manipulate the situation with the uh, intercom. But they're all happy for her. They're happy that she has a second chance at life. So no animosity or w whatsoever with these friends, which is kind of sweet to see, you know could easily harbor some some issues with her lying about things uh but they're all happy that she's healed and and able to go um then alonka shows up and she apologizes to sandra she apologizes to uh kevin as well obviously with his girlfriend sandra apologizing that it assuming that it was her um and then they start the story. Spence does his story, right? He's energized after hanging out with his people. He's got a story to tell, uh, which I will get to that in a bit. But after the story, after club, Alonka stays up. She, you see her sitting on her bed w looking at the clock and then getting up out of bed to go let Julia Jane in. And Julia brought other people, which... Uh, Alonka was not expecting she brings three other people because they need five sisters to do the ritual uh, they go down into the basement and uh, Julia is in the center uh, not Alonka Alonka assuming this ritual is going to be done for her but she is not the center of the ritual it is Julia who is at the center and she's not explaining it like Alonka's confused like wait what's going on here she's like don't worry about it you got to trust me uh, you see her mixing blood, right? She cuts, Julia cuts her hand and squeezes blood into a thing, into a vessel. Then she pours something that who knows what it is, bile or whatever, into the, with the blood to mix it up. And then she pours it into the little sake glasses for the, f this four sisters to drink. And Alonka's like, wait a minute, wait, there's no personal items, what, where's the sacrifice? What are we doing? She's like, just trust me. Just trust me. And everybody starts to drink. Alonka is hesitant to drink. Stanton comes in. Right? Stanton, they, of course, go to take Stanton away to hold her back. Stanton begging Alonka not to drink. Julia Jane begging Alonka to drink. Uh, Alonka like hesitant whether she's going to or not uh, and as Julia kind of crawls towards her to force her to drink Alonka backing up away from her she backs into a wall knocks herself out and that's how the episode ends right Julia Jane taking advantage to get into Brightcliff again Dr. Stanton well aware right we know after stanton said she was aware all the time the kids would go into the the basement well they didn't know they were going to the basement but every time they would go to the library 
obviously she's been on high alert considering all of the things that have been going on considering that these kids already tried to do a ritual once of course she's probably going to do it again especially considering that you know she probably knows that alonka has been running off probably knows that she's been talking to shasta you know obviously she's getting this help from somebody so she was on alert and ready for when they showed up because it seems like shasta's done this before Right, just kind of barging in to try and do this ritual again for herself. And no personal effects, doing the ritual differently than Alonka was told to do it. Um, and thankfully, Alonka hesitant, right? She's not drinking the Kool-Aid immediately. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. So now we'll go to the story that Spence told. To those before and to those after. To us now and to those beyond. To those before, to those after, to us now and to those beyond. Seen or unseen, here, but not here. Seen or unseen, here, but not here. So Spence's story, the eternal enemy story about knowing where you're going before you get there, fighting for the future you want versus what you're destined for, uh, because we all know destiny changes as we've seen with uh, Sandra's destiny, destiny specifically. Uh, so in this story, Spence is known as Rel. He's a transfer student in college. Uh, no friends, but he has a thing for this genius known as Christopher in his school. Uh, so in an effort to, you know, get to know Chris more, he gets a VCR in order to record old sci-fi movies off the TV. As many people who grew up in the 90s know how interesting it was uh you know before the internet and downloading and streaming uh you would just copy stuff whether it's music off the radio onto a cassette tape uh, cassette tape or you know everybody who grew up in the 90s had vhs cassettes that had your written on labels a lot of times three movies on a vhs of all the different movies you recorded from HBO when they had their trial weekend. Uh, so he's wants to record these sci-fi movies that he knows Christopher is into uh, off the TV and knows that he would like. Uh, he ends up having a crazy sci-fi dream, right? Just, uh, just these mechanics, like very sci-fi, like a cyborg kind of a thing. In his room, he had posters of Time Cop and Terminator and Back to the Future. Uh, so very much uh, movie posters in theme with this story that Spence is telling. So yeah, he's having these crazy uh, sci-fi dreams. And then the next day in one of the common rooms, he, he comes across Chris, who's working on a robot that he's uh, having issues with. Uh, Chris, his robot's broken. Uh, and he's, you know, threatening to throw it out because it's defective. And uh, thematically, something that uh, metaphorically is something that's happened to Spence in his life. Uh, people in his life considering him to be defective and kind of effortlessly throwing him out. Uh, whether it's the community of people that he knew in the church or his family specifically, his mom specifically. Uh, so, you know, he makes a little comment about, uh, about that, the nature of being defective uh, and how maybe throwing something out isn't the, the best uh, course of action. Uh, but he invites him to come over because he got a VCR. He's tired of using the one that's in the common room. It's always broken, uh, but he got it to record movies and he recorded the Terminator. So he invites Chris over uh to watch it sometime chris is like let's do it tonight so he can he comes over chris comes over cut to later on comes over brings wine right i in my college days didn't know anybody who drank wine uh he also brought cheese but obviously you know i guess stereotypes sometimes are are accurate in in certain cases but he brings wine and cheese they end up doing their cheese puns their terminator quotes and cheese puns which is kind of funny 
puts on the VHS and notices that he it accidentally recorded some news program uh, covering some sporting event that uh, went on. And Kevin immediately calling out Spence for the ridiculous sports team's names uh, that he gave the, the sports. And he's like, listen, it doesn't matter. Uh, sports are dumb. But Kevin, you know, being somebody who is into sports, uh, talking calling it out as spence is well known to call people out on their stories uh kevin having no problem calling him out on his uh for the team names but they back in the story rel and chris they they come to the conclusion that it must have been programmed wrong because you know it's it's recorded something that's i mean one hbo doesn't have news and news generally isn't on at three in the morning but recorded wrong so as a change of plans chris invites or recommends that they go to a bar let's go to a bar get some drinks i'll buy you some bad food and rel you know goes along with that so they end up going to a sports bar get their drinks sit down and a game's on the tv and he's like i don't get the fascination with straight guys in football and uh and chris is chris is like well i like football and i'm definitely not straight so clearly telling rel that's like okay we're both we're like understanding where they both stand without just blatantly <laughs> blatantly uh talking about their sexual preferences but clearly knowing that they're they're on the same team as it were let's take a little break from the show to promote the benefits of inspired disorder plus so you go inspireddisordercom slash plus sign up five dollars a month you get to binge the full week of the ray taylor show ad free you get to watch all of the live painting videos i do you get a special members only discount and deals for all of the artwork and merch that i sell you also get the complete podcast back catalog of every podcast i've ever produced hundreds of episodes countless different podcasts you also get access to my personal blog a new blog comes out every week in addition to that you get my creative writing that i'm releasing you also get access to asking me anything 14 years of experience podcasting i've been creating art my entire life i've been using photoshop since middle school and you can contact me to ask me questions about that or anything else so those are the benefits for signing up for inspired disorder plus and now let's get back to the show there the game is live and it's the same game that they saw uh on the vhs they the results of they saw and and rel keeps saying no this is a this isn't live and the guy at the bar is like no dude this is a live game okay and they bet rel bets them it's like oh this is the game where that guy catches for a touchdown he's like that guy's never caught a touchdown so he bets them and of course the events of the game prove rel right and he wins the the bet, which is hilarious uh, just to step out of this a little bit. Uh, I used to be a huge fan of MMA, watching UFC fights. Uh, back in the day, I would go to a sports bar with friends of mine from work to watch uh, UFC events, right, instead of paying for the pay-per-view. Go to a bar, have some drinks with some friends, and watch it live with a bunch of people. And there was one fight that was uh, took place in Germany, and the broadcast of that fight card in the U.S. was on a time delay, right? Instead of broadcasting it in the U.S. in, like, the early a.m. hours, they had a time delay to broadcast it at a normal time when they would normally broadcast it. So, as a big fan that I was, already knew a lot of the results of these fights, but I still enjoyed watching the fights anyway. It's always interesting to see how those results came to be. And there was one fight where this guy sitting next to me at his, the, uh, the neighboring table, this dude is covered in tattoos, like literally had like black rimmed glasses tattooed on his face, his whole face, his whole head covered in tattoos. Right, but also kind of a scrawny guy talking so much shit about a fighter that I knew won. And I threw in like, I don't know, man, I think he might win it. I like he I think he's got a good shot. And this dude decides to bet me 
I know what's going to happen. Like, we bet pitchers, loser buys a pitcher of beer. So I was like, sure, or just buys beer, whatever. So I'm like, sure, it's not a big thing. I'm hoping that nobody else realizes that this bet is going on and that this is a fight that had already taken place earlier in the day. But, of course, good fight. I think it went to a decision. The guy that I already knew won, won, so I got a free beer. And the, the dude was cool with it. But it was like a situation where it was like easy to see who the posers were. Right? If you're really a big fan, then you know that this fight has already taken place. You know this fight's taking place in Germany. You know that it's a time delay and that you're watching a replay. But in this story that Spence is telling, he has a magical VCR that is recording the future. Uh, which is what they find out after they win this bet, after Rel and, and, and uh, Christopher win this bet. So they figure it out that it's recording the future, and they decide to do it again. Uh, and they use that to start hustling. They go back to the bar, and they make a bet with that same guy at the bar who's no problem, this homophobic guy, you know, meathead guy that's like, yeah, couple gay dudes want to come in and bet me they don't even like football of course i'm gonna i'm gonna win these bets because i'm way more educated uh but of course these guys uh, it's kind of cheating (laughs) you know they they already know the events uh that are gonna happen so they do this for a while they they hustle for a while they get like close to a grand and then one morning they wake up and they see that uh the news that they recorded one of the students in their school died And they decide, obviously, they're going to try and stop it. As they go to where it is, Rel sees this air conditioner that's about to fall onto somebody's head. He sees it shaking in the window. And he's running and just in time pushes the person out of the way, played by Sandra. Um, Pushes her out of the way, saving her life. Chris shows up shortly after, scared because, of course, Rel in a lot of ways, put himself in danger. The air conditioning could have clearly landed on him instead. Uh, Chris also notices a guy in the crowd wearing a hood, creepy guy wearing a hood. Later, when they watch the news broadcast where Rel was in in real time, they watch the news broadcast where Rel was interviewed uh, after saving this uh, girl's life. Uh, Chris sees that hooded guy in the news broadcast. He's like, oh, that's the guy. That's that creepy guy. So it's at this point they realize, okay, we should stop doing this, right? You almost could have, you could have died. Like, let's, I'm going to go. Chris has plans to go stay at his mom's, visit his mom, who's only 40 minutes away via cab ride. So really not that far away. Like when he asked, when he, they kind of talk about it. He's asking, like, it, it sounds like he's almost going out of, out of town, Right, at least out of town. It's more like cross town or going out of the state. I'm going to visit my mom. No, you should keep your plans. Like, I'm only going 40 minutes. It's crazy. But yeah, he decides, like, Chris is like, just wait until, don't record while I'm away. Right? Just take a break from it. And Rel agrees. But, uh,. It's at that moment you have from the peanut gallery at club. Amesh is like, oh, that, that dude in the hood, that's death. It's clearly it's death. And Kevin pipes up. It's like, no, the dude in the hood, that's the NFL commissioner because of the names that have been used. He's offended by the names that have been used for these teams, and he's, he's very angry about that. Obviously, neither of those are right. Uh Cut back to the story where Rel, alone, when you're alone, there's nobody to lie to, and he decides to record. You know, the temptation is too strong, and there's nobody there to lie to about it. And, you know, he can, he can do it and not say anything. Next morning, he wakes up, and the news broadcast is of Chris, who was murdered. Uh, so, of course, Rel needs to stop that. Tries to call Chris's mom. But as soon as the phone picks up, there's this like crazy sound that zaps his ear, Rel's ear. And even that night before, 
I should say, when he decides to record it, has another crazy dream where Rel is the cyborg and there's like these lasers shooting into his eyes. He wakes up. Chris is murdered, tries to call, zaps his ear. Um, so he decides to just go. It's only a 40-minute cab ride. They've been hustling, uh, you know, got close to a grand in, in hustling and sports betting money. Uh, so got plenty of money to pay for a 40-minute cab drive. So he goes uh, and uh, shows up, gets there, knocks on the door. Chris opens the door. He's like, we got to get out. Tells Chris, we got to get out of here, right? You're going to there. Something's going to happen. And at that moment, this like metal ball, like what you would expect, like a grenade in a sci-fi film comes smashing through the window, landing on the floor. And this gas starts pouring out of it. Both Chris and his mom coughing end up passing out. Rel not seemingly not affected by this gas as a laser cuts through the doorknob of the door. This hooded guy comes barging through this door, right? Terminator style. Rel hiding behind a lamp goes and electrocutes this guy with the lamp, kind of uh, subduing him and opens the hood. And he's like, why are you trying to kill him? He's like, I'm not trying to kill him. You are the like Rel asking this guy, why are you doing? It? He's like, I'm not. The dude in the hood, I'm not trying to kill him. I'm actually trying to stop you from killing Chris. And he's like, why do you look like an older Chris? And that's when we find out that Rel is actually a cyborg. Those dreams were not dreams. They were more memories than anything. Uh, and he finds out that he was created by Chris and he was defective. I guess Chris just made defective robots. Uh, but Rel was defective, and so Rel, in an effort to uh, stop that from happening, decided to go back in time to kill Chris before uh, he makes him, basically. Uh, and then the older Chris tr followed him back in time to stop him from killing himself, basically, before killing him. And you find out that you know, there's a lot of, like, metaphor going on and stuff, but uh, so he was old Chris who finds out, right, gets bashed in the head. They find out that the old Chris is also a cyborg. Uh, he was the first cyborg, Right. And as he was dying, he slowly replaced part by part until he became a new being, basically. And then in an effort to create the person that he loved from his past, create Rel. But in Rel, he had fear. He had the ability to have fear and sadness. And those two things were categorized as a defect. So Chris, older robot chris was going to destroy rel right because he wanted to create cyborgs that were free from fear and sadness um and it's so as chris is about to kill him rel touches he finds out that he the vcr wasn't recording the future it was actually the vcr was being imprinted by rel because when he went back in time it messed with his memory so he doesn't remember why he went back in time but he knew that you know to realign with chris but he didn't know his initial mission was to kill him and these these random memories that rel had in his database were imprinting on the vhs so before chris has the opportunity to kill rel the robot rel imprints one last message to the younger Chris that's still passed out. Uh, so when Chris wakes up, he puts the VHS tape in, um, and it tells him everything. It tells Chris that when you get older, you're going to create these cyborgs, and you're going to uh, want to. Uh, you're going to create these cyborgs in effort to eliminate suffering and eliminate fear. And he's trying to tell Chris that there is beauty in sorrow. Like, those things are necessary. Kind of very similar to the idea of the Matrix, right? Versions of the Matrix where everybody was happy. 
people just regret re rejected that and they had to make a world that was difficult uh, because it was a reality that people would be able to accept um, and then after the story so Chris right cries that's how it ends right young Chris doesn't uh, you know grows up and does whatever uh, come to find out like all of these stories they illuminate the new truths about the storytellers about these kids that are telling these stories uh kevin remembers that the name chris uh and that chris in spence's life was the person that got him sick that he got aids from um and spence is like and i'm not defective i'm perfect and you know which is similar sentiment that he was telling his mom right it's like the fact that i don't fit in your definition of what is perfect doesn't mean that i am doesn't mean that i'm defected i i'm perfect you can either choose to love me or you can choose to ignore me right but there are people in my life that love me for who i am they understand that i'm a perfect human and i deserve love and whether you want to do that or not that's on you so in many ways the story is is very much that very you know very like clearly robotic perfection defective all that stuff so an interesting kind of an illuminating story from spence clearly somebody that enjoys it's a fun little time travel story uh and that's how his story ends uh the this episode like i said ends with Alonka being knocked out after uh, Julia Jane trying to do another ritual for herself. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Stanton interrupting that, stopping that. And I forgot to mention that all the people were dying <laughs> that drank the Kool-Aid. I forgot to mention that part. Just realized that. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see what happens in the last and final episode next week. Episode 10 of The Midnight Club. Uh, the final episode titled Midnight. So we'll see how this season wraps up in next episode. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.